back. James Harden right on target. Bang, bang, George Niang to Paul Reed from Tyrese Maxey. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Pig Swap Podcast. It is Monday evening. The city of Philadelphia is absolutely buzzing. What a weekend for the sports here in this city. We followed up with a Tuesday night home or away opener, season opener against the Boston Celtics with the Philadelphia 76ers getting in action tomorrow. It's me and Sean Bernard as usual. Sean, how you doing, brother? Yeah, I don't know if I could be much better, man. I'm coming off. Yeah. I had a chance to be at the Eagles game last night, so I got to see that in person. Uh, just what a weekend. Phillies are rolling. Sixers are starting. We're getting the NBA opener even. So, yeah, I'm thrilled. Things are great. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, you were there on Sunday night last night. I was at the Phils game on Friday. So we got the chance to get both attend some pretty awesome events this weekend in the city. Um, obviously, a lot more to come with the Sixers starting up soon. Uh, two Flyers wins as well, undefeated. Yeah. want to throw that in there. I always got to represent my guys. But um Let's talk about this season. Um, obviously, tomorrow, the opener in Boston, defending Easter Conference champions. Um, we're not going to talk too much about that. We're going to recap that in the next episode. We're going to talk about a lot of the other stuff going into the season, our you know, predictions, uh, different overviews for the players coming up in this season. So, Sean, if you kind of want to give ourselves uh, the, the preview to this episode right now. Yeah, definitely. So I figured before the season fully kicks off and we got some real basketball to talk about, we'll run through, give some expectations, go through. Uh, we got a couple Sixers guys, a couple NBA takes, and just going to give our, our predictions, expectations as far as points per game and how things are going to shake out. So if you want to get into it and go one by one, we can start off with uh, Joel Embiid. Yeah, so uh, I base these numbers. I went through DraftKings just because it was the easiest to find them there, but uh, they're over-under yeah. set here. Uh, so Joel Embiid starting out with that 30.1 points per game. Last year he averaged 30.6 points per game, which, I, of course, led the league. First center to do that since Shaq the year before he averaged 28.5. What do you think, James? Joel Embiid over or under 30.1 points per game this season. So I went back and forth on this. I think my, my final answer is under. Um, but here's what I'm thinking, what, like why it took me a little bit to decide on this, is, is just the fact that James Harden has opened a, a, so much up for him. Um, we saw even a, a small percentage increase um, in Embiid's points per game after the arrival of Harden last season. Um, he's just going to make life so much easier. Um, on Joel Embiid with the way that they've built this uh, pick and roll chemistry. I know we saw that little soundbite of him and Doc Rivers, of James Harden and Doc Rivers talking about, if I can just get him eight points, like eight easy points, it opens up everything up. And I think that's a lot of what they're going to focus on this year is getting him some more easy baskets. I just think volume-wise, the ball gets around a little bit more, keeping him under that 30-point-per-game number. Yeah, I'd agree with you. And I also kind of flip-flopped on this. I think my final kind of decision on it is – I think he's going to end in the the upper 20s, which is still like yeah. a phenomenal production from from any NBA player. Uh, but I think last year he really kind of chased that scoring title, really put some like effort into getting it down the stretch. And the the Harden factor did kind of swing me a little bit because I do think he's going to get easier buckets this year. But I think there's just more guys that can fill it up this year. Right. Things are going to be spread out a little more. It's not going to be as much as the Joel Embiid show this year, which in the long run, and when we're talking about good. keeping him healthy and everything else that comes with this team, that's a good thing. So. My, my answer is under for the Embiid over under. Yeah, I think we're right on the same page there. It's going to be an interesting, um, you know, thinking about the way that he operates and, and how many years we've watched him just have to like work his ass off for so many buckets. Um, this is a, a theme, uh, a motif, one may even say, over the years 
um, of Joel Embiid, us talking about the fact that if he could just get six, eight, ten points on easy buckets, it's very rare. Uh, the guy doesn't catch many lobs. Like it, it's just uh, the way this team has been built around him has made it more difficult for him to get shots. Whereas this year coming into the season, I think it's going to be uh, easier for him uh, in certain areas. So I think, you know, he, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think that's the best way to put it. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets over that 30 point per game. Yeah, absolutely. And even the pick and roll is pretty new to him. They haven't done yeah. that for a while either, but to jump into that a little bit, his pick and roll partner, James Harden for the over under, we have at 21.9 points per game this year. So looking at Harden in the past, he has a career average of 24.9 points per game. He averaged 21.0 points per game with the Sixers last year, 22.0 on the year when including his uh, time with the Nets. So what do you think about James Harden over or under 21.9 points per game? So I'm going to go over. Um, I think when we're talking about the, the ball going around, when we're talking about quote unquote, um, James Harden is one of those guys, right? Like he's going to be one of the guys that's going to um, command that attention um, with the pick and roll with Embiid. There's, you know, just as much as it is easy buckets for Joel, um, we've seen the the opposite of that as well. Um, a lot of walk in, like the one I know, I know that you were salivating over this one, the, the walk in mid range at the free throw line. It's it was uh, right on cue for what you had talked about all season last year. Um, seeing him take that step, seeing you know other guys that can pass the ball and facilitate a little bit more, him being able to maybe operate off a of catch and shoot a little bit more comfortably a lot of that translates to him scoring a little bit more. So uh, getting around that 22, 23 point per game, I think is going to be, uh, it's going to happen. And I think it's going to be huge uh, for the offensive production of this team. Yeah. I also got over, I think there is going to be a bounce back hard in here. Uh, not necessarily to the extent of his averaging 36 a game, like he did in Houston, yeah. in the, but I think in a, in the mid twenties is something that's going to be comfortable. I think he's going to be in that like 24 point per game range, which is a nice little bump and something that'll be helpful. And I think it's going to be, Cool to watch it be distributed between Embiid, Maxi, and Harden. We're going to get into Maxi next year, but I think those two, those three, are going to combine and take the shine. And I, I just think Harden's going to be a little better. And I think there's a a little bit too much made out of how much he, how washed he is, considering he's still a guy that averaged 21, 10 and a half, and seven last year. So I'm excited to see the version of James Harden. And like we've talked about a, a bunch, that's kind of the the X factor for this season. Yeah, and I think like you mentioned there, uh, Wash James Harden still was giving you 22 and 10. Um, so if, you know, a lot of it's talked about his health, um, the way his mental space where he is, uh, mentally and physically, I think have improved drastically since, you know, arriving here. Um, so I think coming into next year with that mindset, uh, better physical shape, just look honestly looking like the best shape he's been in, in a handful of years. Um, I think that just easily translates. Like I, he can score at will at times, um, it's James Harden, man. We're, we're talking about, can he get over 21, 22 points per game? That's crazy to think about. I, th I think it's going to be kind of easy money for him this year. Yeah, definitely. And the the third guy in the newly developed Sixers big three is Tyrese Maxey. And the over under for him on the year is set at 18.8 points per game. I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to be on the same page here, but what are your thoughts on that? Over, man. Uh, this, this kid is, uh, he's got it. Uh, year three, improved everywhere uh it seems like uh it just really i don't i don't see many flaws in what he's done um and, uh, and all the flaws that he did have or seemingly had before he's done incredible work to improve in those areas so i think uh 20 points per game is what he's shooting for 21 22 uh in those range it'd be incredible to have three guys in that area um and i think the Sixers have a really good chance of doing that this year yeah i was a little surprised how low this number was if i had to set it in my head i would probably put it at like 20.5 or 19.5 somewhere around there is kind of 
where I see him hovering. I think he score. I think he's a chance to outscore Harden this year, and I, I think it's pretty likely that he does. Uh, he made the jump from eight points per game as a rookie to seventeen point five points per game last year, and he's only gotten better. We saw his point production increase alongside Harden. Saw his three point production increase alongside Harden. I think a full year of that is going to be awesome. And something I was digging through the stats through the other day, I thought was very cool. As far as Maxi specifically, him and Harden had the the best two man rating out of any Sixers duo, which I thought was very cool. Uh, as far as like guards with that. So uh, I think it's cool more time with that. And uh, I think he outscores that pretty comfortably. I hope so, man. That'd be uh, huge for them in their production. Um, wanted to talk about it before we, we move past Maxi here is the, the quote from Harden today talking about how uh, Maxi got pissed, like super mad about a call or a non-call um, in the in the preseason. And Harden saying like, we want more of that. Uh, yeah. I want to see Tyrese pissed off more often and, uh, you know, attacking in a different uh, state of mind. So I, I think that's a, an important thing. Uh, obviously we all love Maxi's attitude and the way that he goes about playing the game of basketball. Uh, but there is a, there is something to be said about the playing the game uh, angry or, you know, with a chip on your shoulder. I think he does that in his own way. Uh, but to kind of show the emotion that he showed before, I think, um, and also having hard and note uh, that it was important and good and a good thing and that he wants to see more of it. Like I really liked that. Um, and I think it shows another like how Maxi's going to grow this year and also how Harden is as a leader. I think that was like a really like niche and small thing that happened that I thought was like really good. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome to see. And uh, it is rare that we kind of see that kind of expression. Yeah. From, I remember that moment for sure. And uh, cool. It's mm -hmm. being acknowledged, I guess. Yeah. To move on to the next, we have the Sixers season long wins over under at 50.5 wins. Now looking back at last year, they had 51 years, uh, 51 wins on the year, the year before 49, uh, the year before, 43, but that was the COVID year, so they only played 73 games. 51 in 18-19 and 52 in 17-18, which is their highest total in the Joel Embiid era. So moving forward, looking at this year specifically, you think over or under 50 and a half wins for the Sixers? So again, I think that's like, I mean, this is just Vegas doing their work, right? I think it's going to be really close to that number um, for two reasons. Obviously, like, I think they're going to be more careful about the guys on this team. Like Embiid and Harden are going to, there's going to be intentional uh, games off there's going to be intentional times off um, all these guys are going to get rest throughout the season but on the the flip side of that uh, this is the deepest team that they've had in a long time so uh, the bench can also take some time and and you know put in a lot of good effort that could help them win a lot of those games uh, that Embiid and or Harden miss um, so I think I want to go over here but I think it's like very slightly I would say like 51 or 52 um, I think they're in that range they're a very good team and I think uh, regular season will help uh, translate obviously with all these guys that are coming in uh, but the playoffs again are the most important but I think it would be good for them to hit that 50 50 51 win benchmark yeah I, I think they're going to be right at it I'll disagree with you here and go under but I, I agree nice. I think it's going to be close uh, kind of for the same logic as you but I think looking at how this team's constructed I think they're constructed as a postseason team which is how they should but I don't think mm -hmm. this is one that's going to be like like we've seen the Utah Jazzes and the the Houston Rockets yeah. old ages that are built for like regular season success, that kind of thing. That's not how mm -hmm. I feel about the Sixers team. I think they're a hard-nosed playoff team. They just want to take it to the dance and figure it out from there, which is absolutely the right mindset and something I'm, I'm happy to be saying. So I'm going to lean a little under on the wins. I think that there's going to be a, a, some growing pains more than I think we're expecting, and uh, but mm -hmm. they'll find their way in, still be a, a comfortable seed going into the playoffs, and I feel good about them once they get in. Yeah, me too. And I think, again, looking at that number of around 50, um, it's a fair number. Like 50 is that benchmark. A lot of teams uh, that are looking to make runs in the playoffs will try to reach that mark. We've seen them, you know, certain teams, the Sixers specifically, uh, go for certain benchmarks during the season, go for certain 
titles in the regular season, whether it's the one seed or, you know, what have you. So I think it's, it's important to obviously try to win that amount of games, but I think it's also more important to, to have the long view. And I think that is where the Sixers are headed. Yeah, totally agree. And uh, we kind of referenced the bench production and the the added depth there. So looking at the bench and the, the guys that we've added, the players that are there, what player do you think will average the most points per game out of the bench unit this year? So my answer is going to be a little bit different than who I think like the MVP of the bench will be. Sure. Um, I think points per game wise, I think it's going to be Montrez. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think just because that's his role, right? Like we talked about that when they acquired him was he is a bench scorer. Uh, he's a guy that's going to come in. He's going to get his. He's going to work his ass off for it. Um, and again, I, we've really grown fond of him uh, over the short time that he's been here. It's We haven't even seen him play a regular season game, but we've kind of bought in uh, to the Montrez Harrell uh, experience. And I'm really looking forward to see him uh, in a full season and what he can do. And again, when we talk about Embiid missing games um, and other guys missing games, like Montrez is going to be a guy that steps up a lot. Um, and I'm very okay with that. So I think Montrez, uh, with his role, um and what he brings to the table and what else is on the bench when you talk about the defensive minded and other minded guys on the bench i think it's montrez's uh title to take there yeah i i agree with you here i have montrez as well and looking at his stats career average of 12.9 points per game last year he averaged 13.1 points per game while bouncing around between the hornets and the wizards his best year became uh was under doc rivers with the clippers at 18.6 points per game and when is the last time you can ever think of like a sixers bench player touching 18.6 points per game so that's incredibly exciting for me i love his game a lot i'm very excited uh and i do want to get back to kind of what you referenced there because I'm, I'm also on the same page with this so montrez i believe will be the leading scorer but who do you think is going to be the quote-unquote mvp of the sixers bench unit yeah i think you and i are going to be on the same page as this as well it seems like we've kind of got, been there the whole time but it's gonna be d'anthony melton to me um i'm assuming that's probably what you're gonna say as well and i you know um leave some some room there for you too, but you know, shooting wise, defensive wise, his ability to, to mix with any of the lineups that they have, um, I think is going to prove to be really valuable throughout this season. When you talk about missing time and, and different things, um, and then into the playoffs as well, a guy that, um, is there, he can shoot at a high rate. He can handle well. He's a really good athlete, fantastic defender. Like a guy that's just gonna be able to do everything slot in anywhere. Uh, I think any day, any night, Anthony Melton is just going to be a sure thing. Um, And I think that's a fantastic thing. Like weight off the shoulders of a lot of Sixers fans, me specifically. So I I think Melton's going to be the MVP of that bench unit. Yeah, I, I, for the most part, will agree with that too. I also want to share some love for Daniel House because I think he's a very key part of this bench unit. I've been extremely impressed uh, with what he's shown on the court. And just like the the sense I'm getting from everybody on the team, like the, his teammates can't get enough of talking about like how much they like him. How, like mm-hmm. even, uh, following the the last preseason game, he, he uh, Daniel House has his own music label. Like they were listening to his songs in the locker room and that kind of thing. And it just seems like a guy that's like clicking with everybody and just on the court, like he's a fit with the, the way he can defend, being, being willing to toss from deep. The thing I will say about uh, De'Anthony Melton that's starting to become a concern for me already is I, I'm worried they're going to put him on too much of an on-ball role. I think Doc Rivers is going to try and slide him as the ball handler of the second unit, which I don't think is his natural fit. I think he's a guy where is utilized best, letting him kind of be a 3 and D floor spacer, use his athleticism, be willing to shoot from deep. Yeah. But I think he's trying to kind of bump him above Shake Milton in that type of role. And that's just kind of not how I see him best fit. So I think that's going to be something that's going to play it out with. And that, that's not necessarily a slight at uh, De'Anthony Melton. That's more of a, a usage thing for sure. But that's kind of my concern there. Yeah, I, I could see that as well. Um, And you saw that a lot throughout the preseason. And yeah. a conversation I want to have 
you know, we have a few things to discuss post all of these uh, awards and different things that we're talking about right now, but that backup point guard role, the extra roster spot, there's a lot to be um, said about that. And, you know, kind of alluding here uh, foreshadowing to the end of this, this episode, but uh, we'll get to that later. So what do we have next here? Yeah. So we'll jump into, we talked about Montrez here. So the backup center has been like a position of controversy for several years. So specifically talking about it, it looks like it's down to Montrez Harrell, B-Ball Paul, and of course, uh, PJ Tucker will be in the mix as well. But who do you think will play the most minutes out of Montrez Harrell and B-Ball Paul this year? So like, it's really tough because of the fact that I think it's going to be a lot of like matchup based. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when you talk about like minutes per game at the end of the year, uh, I think it's going to be Harrell. Um, again, kind of to the point of like Embiid missing time and certain, you know, certain situations, certain nights where they want to keep Embiid under um, like a minute restriction or whatever, you, you know, you want to put it as. Uh, I think Harold eats those minutes a little bit more, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's really close. Uh, and I think that's a really good thing. Uh, you're talking about two different guys that have the ability to step up and play a lot of minutes. Uh, and in an absence of Joel Embiid, it was uh, a long time where we struggled to find one guy to do that. Um, so it's really good. I think it's going to be close, but I'm going to go with Harold just for the fact that I think in nights where Embiid is not around, Harold is going to take the larger portion um, of those minutes. Yeah. I think Doc's going to lean toward Harold as well. And I do think I prematurely congratulated our boy Bibal Paul for uh, <laughs> less for earning his role on this preseason, but I don't think he's quite out the mud yet. So I think there's going to be some nights where Bibal Paul kind of has a backseat, maybe doesn't get off the bench at all versus there will be nights where he plays a ton and, that's going to be kind of a tough battle. And I've always felt bad for like players kind of in that role because it's just difficult to kind of have your mindset where there's some nights where he might legitimately play like 30 minutes and some nights where he won't see the floor at all. So mm-hmm. people Paul's handled everything in stride so far, but I do think Harold just given the, the relationship between Doc Rivers and Montrez and everything that he does offensively, I think that's going to be, and, and in fairness, like Montrez is a regular season kind of player. That This is something that if we use him as the innings eater through the regular season and give people Paul the job, make sure he's developed properly when we get to the playoffs. That's kind of how I see this working out perfectly. We just got to make sure that's kind of the steps we take toward it. Yeah, I agree. I think there's there's going to be a lot of that. Um, with Paul, it's, it's a good and bad thing, right? I think he's going to be uh, – he had the luxury to, to work behind Embiid for this long um obviously even with drummond like rebounding wise like he's had a chance to learn behind a lot of good bigs Montrez is another guy that i think um will just help him grow in that sense and like he said he's taking everything in stride he has the right mindset about all of this so while it is maybe a difficult situation to play through um i think he's the right the right guy to be in that situation and when it comes time like i have no doubt that paul reed's going to be ready to give his his effort um when the time comes so like it doesn't uh concern me very much that he's in like a, a difficult situation yeah, yeah, he's fought through more already, so I'm excited. Yeah. And then uh, getting to the, the season prediction as a whole. So how do you see the Sixers season shaking out this year as far as postseason and uh, how things just ultimately wrap up? Yeah, man, uh, I'm going to stay optimistic. Maybe that's my uh, my greatest downfall, right? I, I feel like over the, this is our – I wanted to mention this at the beginning. This is now our fourth season that we're covering. Is that correct? Crazy. Yeah, yeah, because we that's started insane. With halfway the, through – yeah, yeah, the COVID year, the whatever, the bubble year. Yeah, so we started right before the bubble like started back up. So thinking back to that and like how long this has been, uh, going into this fourth season, like I've always had the same expectation. I've been let down three years, you know, three different seasons. And we've kind of been like convinced myself every year going into it. Um, but man, I'm gonna keep it. Like I, I think this team is a a championship contender. I think 
Um, I think it's finals or bust. Like, honestly, um, they've put together a really strong team, a really deep team. And this has been like, this is year three of Doc. It's year three of Daryl Morey. Um, it's year three of Embiid underneath that reign. And now you have the star power and a, a young stud that can help you out as well. Like, it's it's time to really put that this all together. And I think they've done a really good job of that. So, you know, man, I think this is an Eastern Conference champion. Uh, and I think they're going to be playing in the finals this year. Yeah. And I remember in the year that we uh, we first started this, you talking uh, talking both of us into how an Al Horford-led team can take <laughs> – I was delusional, man. <laughs> yeah. How they had – they just needed the time off to click and everything about it. But I do feel a little bit better about <laughs> this roster we have rolling out this year. I don't know if I can fully talk myself in the finals yet. I just need to see a little bit on the court, see how the team right. looks. I do think we get past the second-round plateau that – we haven't through the entire Embiid era. How the Sixers hasn't haven't through uh, in, since the oh, uh, 2001 season with Iverson is the last time that they've been past this. I think we lose in the Eastern Conference Finals to the Milwaukee Bucks is my Ooh. unfortunate prediction, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope I am. I hope that I am. But uh, the Bucks team does scare me a little bit this year. Celtics still do a little bit too. All of the coaching thing I, I think kind of changes that a little bit. Yeah. But I do think the Bucks are my my still most feared team in the East. Yeah, man, Giannis is that dude. Um, I know we're gonna talk about MVP and stuff in a minute, but like he's just that good. Um, mm -hmm. the East is the East is damn good, right? Like I think, um, it, it's tough because of the situation that's like playing out. They had years where the East wasn't that strong. Um, they've now become a team that's uh ridiculously or playing in a ridiculous, um, a ridiculously strong conference, whereas the Western Conference is just like this is good basketball, man. Like this NBA season is gonna be crazy. I think there's gonna be um, you know, a lot of teams that outplay what their expectations, a lot of people that teams that underplay their expectations. It re really depends. Um, I just think mentality wise, the way that this team has been locked in, um, they have a really good chance of doing it. Will they break my heart? History says yes. Um, my brain says no. So we'll see uh, in a few months. We'll see how I'm feeling, but it's my way of life. Yeah, I can't no, help it. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And uh, to get into the NBA as a whole. So, I know uh, Joel Embiid has been second in MVP voting back-to-back -back seasons now. Do you think this is the year he gets it, or do you have another prediction for MVP? Yeah, I don't think it's Embiid's year. I don't. I don't even think he's focused on that, to be honest. Like, I don't even think it's going to be something that he thinks about. Um, my pick for MVP is actually going to be Luca. Um, I think what is this year five for him? Um, it's going to be one of those years where, like, the Mavericks are good, right? They're fine uh, mm -hmm. if they can play well and, and get. Uh, you know, pl play well during the regular season. Obviously, it's not a it's not a playoff award, but like, if he shows that he can get them to a higher seed, he's been doing it his entire career so far. Uh, I think the numbers are going to match now, um, and I think the NBA wants Luka Doncic to be an MVP. Uh, yeah. So I think this year might be his year, and I, I love Luka, so I wouldn't mind it. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't believe I agree with you on this too. But uh, I also we had the same pick on this too. Yeah, I, wow. I I'll kind of take it through my logic. You don't, they're not going to give it to Jokic three times in a row, right. too, too many already. Uh, and yeah. beat, <laughs> I, I think the Sixers are going to be like too good, and there's going to be just too many hands in the pot for him to get his accolades. Mm. It really is a bummer because, like, I last year was the year that I think he deserved yeah. it, he earned it, and should have got it. And we've been pretty clear on that from the beginning. It's really frustrating and disappointing that that wasn't the case, but I think that kind of was his window was last year was the year where he was supposed to win it. Also, looking into this. There hasn't been an American that has won MVP since James Harden, which is kind of crazy. It's all, <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. So, but uh, and then looking at uh, also like Giannis, I I I could see Giannis having another run at it. I also could see Steph Curry getting another run at it. Yeah. I think mean, starts hot, 
like the Warriors. LeBron. Yeah, LeBron could always do it. I think John Morant's going to be sneaky in the conversation, Man. but I do ultimately think it's going to be Luca just because of the ridiculous usage that he's going to have this year. Just looking at the way that team is constructed, everything runs through him. He is phenomenal. Like he is really that guy, and I I think he's going to generally be putting up like Russell Westbrook, OKC, uh, James Harden, Houston Rockets type usage numbers this year. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it too. I mean, it's like one of those things. It's going to depend like in two months from now when the NBA decides who they want to be the finalists. Like we'll we'll see throughout the rest of the year who those guys are. But I totally agree with you. Like obviously not Jokic again. Um, Embiid, I just like you said, I just don't think it's it's situational. It's all, you know, what's hot at the moment. I think the NBA is just like that. It's just the way that it is. Um, there's not too much you can do about it. And I think like everybody loves Luka, right? I feel like a lot of people love Luka. Um, the, the Mavericks are like a neutral team because mm-hmm. like who have they hurt really other than the heat and like the heat were mortal enemies to everybody else. So like he's the Mavericks are the good guys. Luke is a good dude on the good team. So I think it'll be uh, his year and I'll be happy about it. I can't lie. Yeah, no, I'm cool with it as well. And uh, to move on to defensive player of the year, who do you have for this? So I have Joel Embiid here. Uh, okay. This is his award to win. And I'm so I'm I'm fiending for this because this is just be like the biggest middle finger to everybody where it's like, you didn't give me the MVP. You've been snubbing me on this shit since the beginning. It's my time to show you what I'm I came in the league as a defensive player of the year candidate. Yeah. I just became the best offensive player in the in the league. I'm going to show you now why I was considered a defensive player of the year candidate from the beginning. I had an argument. I think I mentioned this before with one of my coworkers that said Embiid wasn't a good defender. And at lunch that day, I placed a $10 bet on Embiid to win defensive player of the year. So I'm all in on that. I think just with the team, they're going to be the, they're going to be one of the best defensive teams in the league. Right. Like, I I think that's, they've all mentioned that that's important to them. I think that's going to be like their bread and butter and where they really make their money. He's an incredible defender. He's in great shape. Um, And I think with the, the fact that he doesn't have to work so hard on the offensive end uh, and work for every bucket and be the center of focus every single time on the floor. He can kind of take the load off there, put a little bit more of that effort and focus in on the other end. And when he's locked in on the defensive end of the floor, man, like we talk about this all the time, it's an underrated part of his game. He's incredible on that side of the ball. So I'm actually really excited to see what he does over on that end because he's already an incredible defender, kind of mix all these other factors in. And I think he comes out as the best in the league. Yeah, I, I would love to see it. He's talked about it throughout since he's coming to the NBA that yeah. winning the player of the year has been a goal of his. He's reemphasized it this year as well. I think it's a team focus to be defensive oriented. And if he just has like some of that offensive load taken off him, like if there's uh, more possessions per game that like James Harden, Tyrese Max, you're the guy creating, he can focus defensively. I could see that playing out. I hate my pick way more. I'm going to go with uh, Rudy Gobert. I think it's going to be defensive. No. Yeah. Moving over to Minnesota. I, I think like the Utah system was so built around him as being the defensive anchor, being that guy. I think they're going to model something similar in Minnesota. And I think next to Cat specifically, like he, I don't think Cat's that good of a defender. He has his moments and like when he gets fired up and I know plenty of people will fight that he is a good defender, but I just don't really see it as much as that. And I think Gobert is going to become like a crucial part of the, the anchor of that team. And I, I think he's going to be recognized for it. Yeah, I can. I, I mean, I totally see that. It's Rudy Gobert. He, it's what he does. Um, I think Carl Anthony Towns, <laughs> I think him being tasked with guarding a perimeter player on a nightly basis has the chance to be just a disaster. Yeah. Um, like him having to guard a four on teams that like, like Tobias Harris is our four. Mm-hmm. Or like if you look down the line, like there aren't a lot of teams that are playing bigs like that. Uh, maybe he has the chance, obviously, to, to do some damage on the other end with that mismatched 
but we've seen this we've watched this happen yeah, yeah. we've watched this play out um yeah i don't like it i don't i don't like that uh i was like from the beginning i've been kind of like off on on minnesota it says minnesota so i don't like it anyway but like who knows obviously it's really good bear like i can't can't knock that at all i think he has obviously has a chance to do it i just want to see i feel like the nba wants a little bit something different they gave it to marcus smart last year so they're giving it to anybody yeah true and uh gobert has won it three times already so uh, not exactly a surprise pick he's the guy that consensus consensus favorite so not a, a crazy pull for me i do think yeah. uh, going small ball is how you beat that team and i'm excited to yeah. kind of see how that tactical matchup goes throughout the season but uh yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to watch. Anthony Edwards is also the complete X factor for how good they can be because I I do think he could be like he's that good. kind of guy. Like he's, he's good. He, he will eventually, if it's not this year, be the number one like uh, consensus number one. This is his team, and uh, if he takes that leap this year, I think they have a chance. He's very good. I like him a lot. Yeah, I do as well. Uh, move on to talk about another young stud, and who is your pick for rookie of the year this season? Yeah, I think mine's gonna be Paolo. Um, He's man, watching what he's been able to do um, and what he does with the basketball passing, shooting handle um, at 6'10", what he's what he does on a nightly basis. I, I really like that. Um, I think the Magic are going to be pretty good. Like they're not going to be great, but they're going to be frisky and fun. Um, and he's going to be kind of the uh, the head steam to that. Like he's going to be the guy that's running their offense. He's got Wag, like Wagner with next to him. I think Franz is a good, a really good player as well. They're going to be a really just interesting team big and like lengthy and, and weird and quirky um and that's fun like they're they almost like replicate the raptors in that way um but i think paolo just the numbers he's going to put up the ball's gonna be in his hand all the time if the magic are any good or he's helping them become a little bit better um jabari smith to me just you know he's not going to get the touches he's not gonna be creating for that offense he's kind of like just not the flashy style that i think will bring a rookie of the year uh title his way and then obviously check going down uh hurts his case a lot i think uh, like Jaden ivy like Again, I don't know if his numbers are going to look look right. Keegan Murray, sneaky, um, could be in that category there, but I think it's going to be Paolo. Yeah, uh, all great points you brought up. I like Paolo a lot. I, I think the match can be very fun. Franz Wagner is becoming like one of my favorite players across the entire NBA. He's a blast to watch. Looks like he got even better this offseason and preseason. He looked very good. Wendell Carter is fun there too. They got a bunch of just fun players that are cool. So that Magic team is going to be one to, to watch moving forward. But as far as my pick for rookie of the year, I'm going a little outside the box, and I got Benedict Benedict Matherin here. Yeah, okay. I love him. Uh, I think he's in a good spot with the Pacers. I think him and Halliburton are going to form a pretty cool long-term backcourt partner. Uh, he's got like an NBA-ready game. He's got great body control. He can score. He can score in isolation, off movement. I think they're going to do a lot of fun things. Just him and Halliburton figuring out ways to play off each other, and I think that's going to be a fun backcourt to watch this year moving forward. And uh, I, I think he'll have both the opportunity and the talent to win this. Good point. I think it's a great pick. Um, he was kind of like he was on my list as well. I think he's a guy that's going to like turn some heads because I don't know if a lot of people are really hip to him yet um, that maybe aren't like diehard fans of basketball that aren't really watching on a nightly basis. Um, I don't I don't know if the NBA casual fan is hip to Benedict Matherin yet, um, and, but they will be soon. They definitely will be soon. Athletically, uh, what he does with the rock and how he can score like he's going to be one of their better guys on that team. Um, and I love Tyrese Halliburton and I know he's going to help uh free yep. up Matherin a lot so good backcourt could be fun interesting to see what indiana is going to do this year because like where is what is their direction right now who knows but um i guess we'll find out soon 
Yeah, definitely. And he's got the the confidence as well. I've, I've been a fan yeah. of him as at Arizona too. I, calling himself the best player in the nation last year, I, I loved it. And uh, yeah. he's very good. So I'm excited to see how it translates. I think he's a guy who's more NBA skill-based than uh, than he was in college. I think he's going to yeah. open it up. So I'm excited to see it. So uh, to wrap things up here, last kind of thing we kind of hinted at earlier. But so Sixers roster currently sits at 14 guys. They've got a little over $5 million in cap space under the, uh, the hard cap limit. So – how do you see this playing out? Do you think that they're going to sit back, wait for guys to shake out, wait for uh, guys to shake free? Is there any position you think they're targeting or what are your kind of thoughts on how the roster rounds out? Yeah. So uh, we didn't really get to talk about Isaiah Joe and Charles Bassey. Like I know we talked about them last week. We didn't get to talk about them getting cut. Um, Shame for them. I I liked both of them a lot. I know we both did. I know a lot of Sixers fans did. Um, Just want to point out like really quick, like it's okay. Uh, they're, it's okay to see those guys go. Uh, yeah. They're both good players. They're both good young players. They both have some promise in their career. I think they're going to both go have solid careers. Neither of them are breaking this roster and, and turning into uh, contributing players when it comes to playoff time. I think that's just what it comes down to. Save some money, let them go play in Oklahoma City uh, and wherever Bassey ends up and and be able to play. Like I think that's all fine. Uh, to be able to create some cash space, create a roster spot, I think it's pretty clear that their their plan is to add at least another player um, at some point this season. I think like I think it might be backup point guard, um, might be a vet backup point guard. I know we like this is such a miserable uh, like Groundhog Day experience for this team. I, I can't do it anymore. They got to find a guy that's like at least decent um, to handle the rock in that side court. Like it's going to be either a backup point guard or just another wing, another vet wing. I think it'll be a guy that's had championship experience or at least playoff experience at the very least, um, and a guy that can come in and just do a job. Uh, but when you talk about Melton being a guy that's going to take up maybe too much of the ball handling responsibility in the, in the second unit, um, I think there's a, a solution to that would be to add um, another ball-dominant guard for the second unit. I don't know who that is, though, to be honest. I have no idea. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that is the biggest point of need. When you look at this Sixers roster, James Harden is the only natural playmaker on it. Like, I think the the best case scenario when looking at rotations is to stagger Harden and Maxi's minutes so that one of them's on the court at all time. But Maxi's yeah. still not like a natural playmaker. Shake Milton can kind of do it, but he's also a guy who's better creating a, his own shot. He he's a, a ball handler, but not a natural playmaker. And Melton, I, I I don't think the we're gonna like the results if we throw him in that role. So I I think that is the biggest point of need. Kemba Walker shook free today. I don't know if that's something uh, that is not not a Kemba guy. Nah, man, I, I like Kemba. I like Kemba Walker. I don't like Kemba Walker as a basketball player. Not not at thirty whatever. Uh, he's just defensively not not even a human. He's just like a traffic cone. Um, and like, is he is he a playmaker? Not really either. Not really. So I don't. I like Kemba. Like, don't get me wrong. I like Kemba, and I hope he gets a chance somewhere. I just really I hope it's not here. To be honest. Yeah, cardiac Kemba. Uh, yeah. I think Ben McLemore is a name to watch too. He's yeah. still the agent. He's a guy who played on that Houston. Rockets. Yeah, has the the Daryl Morey connection, has the James Harden connection. I think he's just a fine wing depth guy, but he's not really the yeah. ball handler that we're we're talking about. Carmelo is still floating out there, but he kind of left on bad terms in Houston, so I don't expect that to be the case. Although I do think he's a, a guy that deserves an NBA shot, and uh, I thought I was impressed with last year him kind of transitioning into his role as just kind of a a three point shooter, a guy that had had his best defensive year last year. So uh, he should land somewhere. I don't think it should be in Philly. And to your point about Isaiah Joe. Uh, happy to see him land in Oklahoma City. I think it's a way better spot for him. He's going to be able to play through his mistakes and not have as short of a leash on him. 
And I think he, they're going to be happy with having him in the building. So happy to see that there. I don't know. I also wouldn't be surprised if they carry 14 for a little bit into the regular yeah. season and let it see like what we need. Cause this also allows them to take in a little more contract than they send out. If they, if they do make a trade, if there is kind of a, a Furkan and whatever else chain uh, deal that uh, manifests itself. So I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked if there just is no player added before the season starts. Yeah. I think that's how they're going to play it. Like doc said that, uh, what was the exact quote was like, we're pretty sure there's players that will shake free or we're pretty confident that there's players that will shake free um, that will, you know, we'll, we'll pick up. So like it's guys that are either going to like get bought out or uh, guys that are just going to be shed for like nothing um, and, or traded for a second round pick. Like it's going to be one of those things where it just gives you options. It gives you the ability to add a guy. Uh, there's going to be teams that are be like doing egregious tanking. Uh, whether that's Utah or Indiana or like one of these teams yeah. that's like, we need Victor. So we're going to just tank like as hard as we possibly can. Houston, whatever it is, like whoever it may be, one of those teams is going to tank with a player that's, you know, not useful to them at the time, too good to help them lose. Um, not good enough to, to win them enough games to be competitive. There's going to be some of those guys that shake loose. Now they have the chance to go get those guys. And I think that's a good thing for a team that's in their position. Yeah, definitely. So we'll wrap it up here. What's your official prediction for tomorrow? Uh, in Boston, game one. I can't I can't go against the Sixers. So uh Sixers win 114-104. Sixers win in Boston on opening night. I can't wait, man. I'm I am chomping at the bit. Yeah, me too. Ten point victory. I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna say a little bit lower scoring. I'm gonna go like 106 to 99 is my prediction. Sixers win. Lovely. So, let's yeah. Go. But let's go with it. We got Sixers basketball back tomorrow. We appreciate all you guys for tuning in. Make sure to uh, follow us on all the socials. You can check with us there. Drop a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And we will get back with you next time with some actual basketball to talk about. Yeah.